this episode, we continue to look at the 28 principles outlined by the Founding Fathers in the 5,000-year leap. This episode covers principles 9 through 12. Let's go ahead and get started. The ninth principle. To protect man's rights, God has revealed certain principles of divine law. Rights, though endowed by God as unalienable prerogatives, could not remain unalienable unless they were protected by enforceable rights under a code of divinely proclaimed law. William Blackstone pointed out that the Creator is not only omnipotent, but He is also a being of infinite wisdom. He has laid down only such laws as were founded in those relations of justice that existed in the nature of things. These are the eternal, immutable laws of good and evil, to which the Creator Himself in all His dispositions conforms, and which He has enabled human reason to discover. So far as they are necessary for the conduct of human action. Such, among other, are these principles that we should live honestly, should hurt nobody, and should render to everyone his due. Sound principles of law, all based on God's law, Blackstone also said it was necessary for God to disclose these laws to man by direct revelation. An analysis of the essential elements of God's code of divine law reveals that it is designed to promote, preserve, and protect man's unalienable rights. Divine law endows mankind with unalienable duties as well as unalienable rights. In recent years, the universal emphasis on rights has seriously obscured the unalienable duties which are imposed upon mankind by divine law. As Thomas Jefferson said, Man has no natural right in opposition to his social duties. There are two kinds of duties, public and private. Public duties relate to public morality and are usually supported by local or state ordinances which can be enforced by the police power of the state. Private duties are those which exist between the individual and his creator. These are called principles of private morality. The only enforcement agency is the self-discipline of the individual himself.
examples of public and private duties. Here's a few of them. The duty to honor the supremacy of the Creator and His laws. The duty not to take the life of another except in self-defense. The duty not to steal or destroy the property of another. The duty to be honest in all transactions with others. The duty of children to honor and obey their parents and elders. The duty of parents and elders to protect, teach, feed, clothe, and provide shelter for their children. The duty to support law and order and keep the peace. The duty not to contrive through a covetous heart to despoil another. The duty to provide insofar as possible for the needs of the helpless, the sick, the crippled, the injured, the poverty-stricken. The duty to be temperate. The duty to honorably perform contracts and covenants both with God and man. The duty to become economically economically self-sufficient. The duty not to trespass on the property or privacy of another. And there's many, many more examples of private and public duties outlined in the book. Natural law constitutes eternal principles. The law of nature stands as an eternal rule to all men, legislators, as well as others. The rules that they make for man's actions must be conformable to the law of nature. The Tenth Principle The God-given right to govern is vested in the sovereign authority of the whole people. During the 1600s, the royal families of England did everything in their power to establish the doctrine that they governed the people by divine rights of kings. In other words, it was declared a God-given right. View of the American Founders There was no place for the idea of a divine right of kings in the thinking of the American Founders. They subscribed to the concept that rulers are servants of the people and all sovereign authority to appoint or remove a ruler rests with the people. Alexander Hamilton, in this same spirit, declared, The fabric of American empire ought to rest on the solid basis of the consent of the people. 
Uh, James Madison discovered many people frightened by the Constitution. The adversaries of the Constitution seem to have lost sight of the people altogether in their reasonings on this subject. They must be told that the ultimate authority, wherever the derivative may be found, resides in the people alone. The majority of the people may alter or abolish a government which has become tyrannical. The founders were well acquainted with the vexations resulting from an abusive autocratic government which had imposed injuries on the American colonists for 13 years in violation of the English Constitution. Thomas Jefferson's words in the Declaration of Independence therefore emphasize the feeling of the American people when he wrote, Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism it is their right it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security twelfth and final principle of this episode the United States of America shall be a republic this principle is highlighted in the Pledge of Allegiance when it says I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands There's many reasons why the founder wanted a republican form of government rather than a democracy. A republic defined to make his position completely clear, Madison offered a concise definition of a republic as follows. We may define a republic to be a government which derives all its powers directly or indirectly from the great body of the people and is administered by persons holding their offices during pleasure for a limited period or during good behavior. 
It is essential to such a government that it be derived from the great body of the society, not, not, not from an inconsiderable proportion or a favored class of it. Otherwise, a handful of tyrannical nobles exercising their oppression by a delegation of their powers might aspire to the rank of Republicans and claim for their government the honorable title of a republic. Well, that's it for this episode, but make sure you join us for the next episode when we cover the next four principles of the 5,000-year leap. Principles of Freedom 101.